How many women have not been told stop being so emotional? No, no, no. We need to honor our emotions, feel them, hear what they have to say to us, and then let them go. We don't want to sit in a bad mood. We don't want to sit in anger, but we want to go, wow, that pissed me off. Why? Hello, hello, and welcome to House of Low. I'm Lo, and I am on a mission to create safe spaces to help every single woman on this earth feel her power, live from her truth, find her magic, and discover a love for herself so deeply that it opens her up to love others, step into her purpose, and live life abundantly. I'm so excited you have found your way here. Thank you for joining me. Here we go. I'm excited for this one today. Today is going to be very, very powerful because we're going to be focused on talking about the ways that we can recreate our lives as we evolve and as we get older, which is really, really exciting. And I am so honored to have Dr. Lisa Petty, who is the founder of her company that really focuses on midlife alchemy. She calls herself the midlife alchemist, and she really works closely with women that are at those middle stages of their lives, focused on recreating and stepping deeper into who they are and and being who they're here to be. So welcome, Dr. Lisa. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have our conversation today. Thank you. Yeah. So today's tea is on alchemy, (laughs) alchemy throughout our entire lives. I think that this is an area that I, I mean, I live alchemy every single day, transmuting old pain, transcending old stories, stepping deeper into myself. And it is a trip, that's for sure. And so I would love for you to give like a quick background on how you were guided to doing this work. That's a great question. So I started my career as a holistic nutritionist. So all about the body and keeping the body vibrant. And that came from when my son was born, he was born with a minor heart defect. And I just wanted to be able to provide him with the best nutrition possible. So I made that a career path and I became an educator and I would do television and radio and I was a nutrition coach. And I found that that my clients, always women, I've always worked with women. I know how women think and work and be. So I focused on women. And I noticed that as I aged, the women that I worked with aged made sense. But I got to a certain point and I started to realize that women weren't doing the things that they said that they wanted to do to achieve the results that they said they wanted to get. So whether they wanted to release a few pounds or they wanted to increase their energy, improve their mood, get better sleep, whatever it was, they would agree to a certain strategy, let drink more water, for example. And then we'd get together and I'd say, so how'd you do with the drinking my water? And they'd be like, no, I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, well, let's put that back on the the table for next time. And so the next time we'd get together, how'd you go with that? Oh, not so great. So I started to question what was going on. Was I not a good coach? What was happening in the lives of these women that they just weren't following through? So I decided to do this bold, like crazy move. And I went back to university to study 
behavior change and what got in the way of people making choices. And, and it started with sort of understanding that, that psychology yes. and the process, but it, I went off on a tangent and <laughs> fell in love with the research. And so then I decided to get my doctorate. So my master's degree was how do women at midlife decide what to eat? My doctorate became what gets in the way of women taking care of their well-being, mm. all that of their well-being. There's a lot of crossover between, obviously, feeding yourself in a healthy way and every other choice and all the other aspects of well-being, you know, mental, physical, financial, emotional, all of those spiritual, all those aspects. And it became clear to me that there's sort of these things that we all have in common. Mm -hmm. And I would hear the stories of women talking to me and I'd be nodding along with them like, yep, yep, yep. So it became very clear that a lot of the issues that women have with taking care of themselves come from what I call belief implants. So ideas that are so deeply implanted in their brains that they don't even question them. The social pressures around us to be a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way, achieve a certain status in the world, all without actually reflecting on what we wanted as individuals, as autonomous human beings. So I, I decided to publish the findings of my doctoral dissertation, but I also included a personal journey in there. So it's my own personal journey of midlife self-discovery as I'm going through answering some of these questions. Well, what does okay. this mean to me and who yes. am I and why yes. am I here? Awesome. So that's how we got to today. I love it. And I'm so happy that you're doing this work. And before we get into some of the deeper discussions around that, I would love to ask you a few of my rapid fire questions if you're cool with it. I'm cool with it. Let's go. Okay. Give me one word that describes you and your essence. I would say that it would be curiosity. Love it. When my daughter was younger, she used to call me nosy. <laughs> I love it. That's a good yeah, I'm so interested in people and why they do what they do, what they're interested in, all of that kind of thing. So yes, I would say curiosity. I love it. Okay. What's one of your mantras for life? Mm, this is interesting considering where my career ended up, but I used to have word art on my wall when I was a nutritionist that said, in a world that you can be anything, be yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how it solidified into something that I'm really passionate about teaching people. Let's focus on this importance of being who you are in the world. So I would say that that would be it. I love it. What ritual makes you feel gorgeous? Mm. Okay. So I'm a Leo. I <laughs> love it. And when my hair looks good, <laughs> yes. I'm on fire. So yes. I would say that the only thing that makes that better is when someone else does my hair. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And you get that mane going. <laughs> yes. I love it. Okay. What is an action you took recently that came from a place of abundance? Okay. So this is really kind of cool and fun. Over the summer, which is when I wrote my book, actually. I did it from my sister's dock. Mm. And I just sat on the dock and every morning I went out and I asked, what should people know? And then I just started journaling. And that ability to go out every day and be immersed in nature, sitting on a dock on the water, I was just blown away by how 
rich and enriching that experience was. Mm. I feel it and I love it. Okay. What nourishment brings you the most joy? Any way that you nourish yourself? Um, Okay. So we're very ensconced in winter right now, but my favorite way to ground and get out of my head is to be in my garden. And I live in an urban center. So I'm what I call an urban farmer. And my yard grows wildflowers and tomatoes and butternut squash and cucumbers. I mean, I have the whole thing. So I love the miracle of watching a seed erupt into a plant that blows my mind every time I see it happen. But then to go through to the other side and then harvest what I've grown and literally nourish myself with food that I've grown in my own yard is so powerful and so nourishing for me. I love it. Oh, so beautiful and feminine. Okay. Last question, which is deeply integrated into my mission on this earth, which is for you, what does it mean to come home to you? Mm. So this is really key to what I think a lot of people need to do. And that's to find the place in yourself that is where you want to be. And for me, the place that I want to be is peace. And I always come back to peace. So beautiful. That's a beautiful place to start from. I think that self-discovery is an ongoing journey in our lives, right? And a lot of women are very hard on themselves in the sense of, you know, when the same issues come up again and again, I know that I'm very hard on myself. Like, why am I not over this? Why have I not transcend? You know, but there's new layers to unpack because of, in my opinion, the deep programming of the culture and women are the hardest on themselves. So there's a lot that's coming at us from the external, but there's a lot that's from the internal and it's all this big jumbled mess, right? And we make choices from these very unhealed places. And it's tricky because it's very unconscious. Some of it's conscious, but some of it's unconscious and that gets even trickier. And so when you work with women that are at these midlife points in their life and they're looking to make big shifts, they've been in certain patterns, maybe they've gone through heartbreak or some kind of tower moment that has shifted their entire life and now they see that there needs to be a new way. Where do you find you help them get started in this work? Well, the most important thing, and that is a great, loaded, full, rich, all encompassing question. But the most important thing to start with was how did I get here, right? We need to understand how we got to this place in time, feeling the way we do, looking the way we do, having the energy that we have, the outlook we have, and all of that kind of thing. And I'm not one for dwelling on the past so much that you get stuck there. But you have to acknowledge the influences on your choices and behavior that got you to this point. Because if you don't acknowledge their power, you'll get on that treadmill or the hamster wheel and you'll keep doing the same old thing. The characters will change, the location will change, but your decisions Uh, are basically going to be the same. Yep. So I think it's really critical for women to understand the cultural influences on them, which you touched on, as well as the subconscious beliefs that we have. And a lot of those come from the social cultural influences around us. And then once we work through those, 
and strip away the influences that have come from outside of ourselves that we have internalized. It's not like we were born thinking I'm not thin enough, right? We internalize those beliefs or, you know, once we get past having babies and our metabolism slows down and we don't look the way we're supposed to look anymore, which is size four and curvy without a wrinkle or gray hair. Once we're not that perfect nubile beauty anymore, then we really start to question who we are and how do we move forward in a culture that doesn't even accept us anymore, right? So it's important to understand all of those cultural influences, who we act as if we are as mother, sister, daughter, employee, boss, whatever, who we act as if we are and strip all of that away and get to, as you started with your rapid fire, the essence of who you are. That's where we need to get to in step one. Mm. Damn, so powerful. And I think about, there's this famous poem that Rupi Kaur, who's a, a poet, wrote. She wrote the book Milk and Honey and The Sun and Her Flowers. Mm-hmm. you probably heard of her. And there's mm-hmm. this beautiful poem. I'll have to send it to you. And it's about a woman getting more powerful and more beautiful as she ripens with age. And she talks about like at 50, the curtains up or something like it's just, and I, that's what I am focused on. I am not here. I actually pray my best years are not when I'm young, to be honest, Mm. because if that's it, that's sad to me because we know for a lot of people, most people, it takes a very long time very long time on planet earth to be comfortable, to be cozy in who you are, to be like settled. And I love this word peace that you came back to, because that's a word I come to a lot because I feel that I'm very often not in a state of inner peace and I, there's blips of it and I feel it. And then I feel the chaos again. And I constantly am jumping between that space. And I, I'm, anchored into the knowing that every day I'm getting closer to settling into who I am. But we need help to do that. I think it's very difficult to do that alone. Do you find that women that come to you feel very alone in themselves and in what they really desire and in their lives and they're not even sure who to turn to and that that sometimes contributes to how they don't trust themselves? So this is really interesting. If you think back to, I'm a Gen Xer. So I was raised with the big book at the time was, you can have it all, sex, money, love. I can't remember the rest of the subtitle. And it sort of framed our experiences as women. Not that you can have it all. The world is your oyster and, you know, choose from the buffet. But you must have it all. You must have all Ah. of these things. And choice was taken off the table. It was no, this is what you're eating. You're just doing all of that without any mentorship, without any support from men, because as women were being taught, yeah, 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 you can have it all. Get your schooling and start an amazing career and find your partner and have your babies. And you do all that. The men were not being schooled and trained and mentored to say, okay, women are changing. Women are doing different things. You're going to have to change your game. So women now from the 80s onward, because this hasn't changed that much. 
still do the majority of the work in the home. They still take on most of the mental labor, which is the problem solving, right? Does Johnny have to get to the dentist? And, you know, does the dog need to go to the vet? And what's for supper, which is the perpetual daily stream, right? So these things have sort of been moved on. And part of this, you can have it all is, well, you must have it all. And so if you don't have it all, then you aren't fulfilling your obligation as a woman who is alive today. You're failing. And we can't talk about the fact that you're failing because then you don't have it all. So it's sort of this brain that we go down because we're not perfect, which is part of the expectation of being a woman is that you're perfect. So yes, very much women feel alone because we're all being untruthful about what our experience is. And there's a lovely word that came from my research, which is called story keeping. Mm. And women are notorious story keepers. We don't talk about the bad stuff. We don't share in a productive way how challenging it is to be all and do all and be perfect at everything. We don't talk about how challenging it can be from puberty, what that's like. We don't tell our young girls that. We don't tell our young women what pregnancy could be like. We don't talk to them about what delivery could really be like or becoming a new mother, what that really is like. Nobody, well, this is changing, but perimenopause and menopause, nobody talked about that. So we have this major transition that, you know, and women aren't aware of this, 35 is when perimenopause starts. Whether or not you feel it, you could be already going through that process of winding down fertility and things are changing in your body and you think you're going crazy because your body isn't familiar to you anymore, but we don't talk about it. So I really think it's important that women talk about, and I don't mean bitch and moan and complain. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But I'm talking about this more empowered, hey, here's my experience. This is what I've done. This is what worked for me. Just have this information. Make yeah. your choices. Yeah. But here's some more and different information that might be helpful for you. Mm, love that. Yeah. I mean, I feel that obviously in the last few decades, there's been a lot of communities built focused around women coming together and healing. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that I think follows women throughout their lives, especially when I think about entering into that midlife period, is the competition between women that yes. the programming comes from, mostly for attention from men to be yes. chosen. Ah, to be chosen. Yeah. Yes. And in the journey of wanting to be chosen by a man, we're not choosing ourselves. And it is this never ending cycle. And to have the language and the awareness is step one, because it takes a lot to unravel. It's like, I feel like a lot of women, myself included, we're unraveling a lot of these beliefs. Myths. And we're, because yeah. the thing is, is there's a lot of women that hit these certain milestones that are celebrated in our culture, right? There's marriage, there's children, there's career success. But sometimes, you know, we can have all that, but then we're not healthy or we're really healthy, but we have no, we don't have the partner or we don't have the family yet. And there's like something missing. And I think that's where the spiritual comes in because in my opinion, we're all souls here and we're souls in a human body. Some of us have been here many times before and there's certain lessons 
we're here to learn. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Not that you can really make sense of the spiritual, (laughs) but to me, it's like, why do certain people have certain things? Yes, they're attracting in because of their vibration and because of what they believe, right? We're co-creating with the higher power, the divine, our lives. However, sometimes there's certain lessons where we're supposed to be without to go within or something, you know? And so do you find that the women, I'm sure everybody you work with comes from different backgrounds and has different spiritual beliefs, but I'm sure you're seeing what's happening on the planet these days. There's a lot of not happening with ascension and the planet is elevating in consciousness. It's the only way to put it easily for people to understand. What do you find that the women you're working with now or that are coming to you with these challenges, where does that fit in? Like, are they spiritually awakening? Are they are they missing spiritual practices? Which to me just brings you back to the connection with yourself, you know? But what's your perspective on that? I'm really curious. So one thing I just wanted to go back and say this part about the women in the workforce. The workforce as it is now, and, and collaboration, you talked about women coming together in community and competition and all of that. That whole system is set up by men for men to succeed. And so that's why it's so stressful for for women. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and we had the shoulder pads and, and, you know, the big hair and everything because we had to physically be big and take up space and look like the men, right? That's not how women are designed to operate. And that is not how we naturally contribute and succeed in a way that's in alignment with who we are. And that's why there, I believe there's so much discontent when women achieve a certain amount of success, however you want to define that, in a world that doesn't honor who they are as women and their feminine power and feminine energy. So that's one thing I wanted to address. The other thing when you're talking about what are women experiencing now, I think the first step is discontent. Mm -hmm. They're aware that something is wrong. So no matter where someone is on the path to enlightenment and becoming aware of themselves in the world, I think you have to be aware that something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. And this is challenging for women to understand because we've we've learned to disconnect our head from our bodies. And women's wisdom is in our bodies. And this isn't just spiritual woohoo crap. I mean, I love when research and spirituality smash together. And so there's actually research that shows that the heart is a a receiver of information. The heart has memory cells. The heart learns. Same thing with the gut. 90% of the communication between your brain and your heart and your gut actually goes toward the brain. So what does that mean? That means that your gut talks to you and that your heart talks to you and it sends information to your brain so that then you can make logical decisions when you have all the information. It's not the other way around. It's not you you achieve, you know, get all the data and then give it to your heart to figure out. That's backwards. And women in this man's world where competition and hunting and powering through is rewarded and logic is supreme, How many women have not been told stop being so emotional? No, no, no. We need to 
honor our emotions, feel them, hear what they have to say to us, and then let them go. We don't want to sit in a bad mood. We don't want to sit in anger, but we want to go, wow, that pissed me off. Why? What was it about that situation that made me really, really angry? Let the anger go and deal with the problem, right? So it's not about not being logical because we need our logic. Of course we need our logic, but it's not the God. For women, it's really important that we reconnect with our body, honor our gut feelings, honor what our heart tells us. And when women come and they're they're like, I don't know, something's off, but I don't know what it is. Well, it is that you don't, you've lost your connection with your body. So you need to get back into your body and learn how to talk to your body, how to listen to your body. Mm. That is all of it. And I think the disconnection with my body has been, oof such a long journey and it's an ongoing healing process. You know, I feel like I spent so much of my life being disassociated with my physical vessel because in my case, I struggle with like the too much, too big, Mm. too loud. Like I'm in a body that can't really, you can't really miss. And so I tried to make it missable. (laughs) Mm. It's impossible. And I've fluctuated in weight. I've, you know, gone through all these stages of, of it and it's getting better and better where I'm just settled into, into it. And I think I want to ask you about sexuality and women reconnecting with their sexuality, because to me, the only way, in my opinion, to fully connect with our body is to be fully anchored in our sexuality and the power of that, right? And this isn't just the physical act of sex, right? This is like Mm -hmm. being turned on in our life, having a healthy relationship with pleasure and joy and Mm -hmm. eroticism, like all the senses, like indulging in our senses. And it's funny, I've gone to so many healers (laughs) and they're Mm -hmm. like, that's all your guides want to tell you. Like you need to... (laughs) You need to be in pleasure all day. I'm like, what? Like, that's what you want me to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, sure. I'll just work on that, you know? So, but I've met resistance with that. I'm like, why am I struggling to anchor into pleasure all day and joy? So what's your perspective on pleasure and joy and helping women to reconnect to their sexuality and all its facets, including sensuality, as a way to deepen their trust and connection with the heart and with their physical vessel? (laughs) Wow. Again, a big, big, big question. So again, I think a challenge with, let's just be superficial for a moment. A challenge with the sexuality thing is that only young, thin, big busted women are allowed to be sexy, Mm. right? So if you're not that, if you are voluptuous, or if you're petite, or if you're athletic, or if you're an Amazon, whatever, if you're not the ideal, you're not allowed to be sexy. Mm -hmm. Our entire culture is built on telling you that you're too big, too round, too short, too whatever. So I think that part of that cutting it off happened whenever you were growing up and you realized you, you weren't ideal. Yep. Right. And so you're just like, well, I'm not allowed to be sexy. So I, I'm not going to I'm not going to own that. I'm not going to honor it or feel it or or any of those things. Or on the flip side of that, and this is an experience that I had, 
growing up is that out in the world, men particularly only saw me as sexy. Mm. And so I learned to turn it way, way, way down because it made me uncomfortable to be out in the world where 50% of the population would just look at me and make sounds or expressions, or I could feel the energy shift. So there's that too, this disrespect that comes from certain parts of our experience that can make us turn it off. So either, either, or we learn quite young, quite, quite young, I think that it's not safe to be in our bodies as a woman, because it's either too sexy or it's not right. It's not sexy enough. So, so that's a challenge. But if we can move beyond the actual, more of a cultural experience to what it is to be a woman, well, a woman is here to create. That's what the womb is all about. The yeah. womb, whether or not you're a mother. So right. I don't I don't want to right. people to think, well, I'm not a mother. She's not talking to me. Yes, I am talking to you. Yeah. Because the essence of femininity is this creativity and birthing things into the world, whatever that is. Because if we think of the womb as being something that serves one purpose, then what happens when women are no longer fertile? Or what happens when women don't become mothers for whatever reason, choice, circumstance, whatever? And I don't mean women who don't want to be mothers. I mean women who choose it and it doesn't happen for them. So if we think of ourselves as creative beings, then we need to create. We need to be in our creativity because. One of the cool things about when you're creating, and I know some women are like, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I'm going to call you on that. Yes, you do. (laughs) You like home decor, or you like gardening, or you like making your own clothes, or making your own skincare products, or making keeping your house looking a certain way. Everybody is creative. And we all have that activity that we get lost in. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things about getting lost in a creative activity is that that little voice in your head going, you're not good enough. You're not doing this right. It's not talking to you. So you get a break when you're in your space of creativity, making your flower arrangement, painting a picture, whatever it is that you're doing. You're in this space of non-judgment where you are open to messages from your body, from the universe, from God, whatever language you want to use, you are open to those messages because you're in that space that you're supposed to be in this sort of creative space. So to move again back to the the idea of chakras and tingling and, and all of that kind of thing, and again, not sort of the intercourse part of the conversation, but the idea of when you're doing something that that is generative, it's cool, right? It's a turn on. And the more we can get into that space, and I don't mean doing, by the way, because we get stuck on the doing, right? I mean, generative in the sense of you're creating and you're using your inspiration, which is inspired. That's where that comes from, sort of the breath of God. When you're doing those things, it's really healing for us as women as well. Mm. That to me is the perfect place to end. And I'm so, so 
moved by our conversation. I really can tell that you're helping women crack the code, I suppose. I don't know if there's a code, but it's like, it's multifaceted. And I love that you're working in all of those areas for women and teaching them the power in their creativity and their emotions inside. You know, I think that power is an interesting word for women and and even feminine energy, because I would argue that feminine energy in its purest essence is more powerful than Mm. any, because creation is the most powerful force in the universe, right? And so what does it look like for more women to anchor into their creative essence and energy? And I know it looks different for everyone, but I just love that you took it there because that's the way to reconnect with the self. It's like, wow, my power is in the fact that I am a creator, creator in general. And I would love to end with, if any woman is listening right now that is really sad or stuck or wondering how she got here once again, what would you offer to her right now in this moment? Well, I think the most important thing is to find out what your North Star is. Mm. And what I mean by that is, again, you ask a question about what is home to me. Mm -hmm. In my book, I call it your state of being. Find out what that is, because that once you understand that, every decision you have to make is answered with that. What is home to you and how do you get back? How do you stay there? How do you get back there? Every decision you ever have to make. Is by knowing the answer to that question. Whew. That was very moving. I felt the tingling. That's for sure. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just taken that in. Wow. Thank you, Lisa. You are such a wonderful human. And I know you're doing oh, thank you. incredible work for women and, and for a- anyone that they touch in their lives. So thank you for the work that you're doing, truly. I would love for you to let people know where they can connect with you and how they can get your book. Oh, fabulous. Well, my website is my name, lisapetty.com. The book is there, but it's also available on Amazon and all your favorite book resellers. It's there. The book is called Forget About Having It All, The Midlife Woman's Guide to Creating the Life That You Want. And on my website too, I'd love to offer a well-being check-in for your listeners. So this is a free self-guided download to help women particularly who are stuck in their head and they don't know how to get back in their body or they've gotten out of the habit of even thinking about themselves. So that's on my website too. And it's lisapetty.com slash check-in, C-H-E-C-K-I-N. And then, of course, I have my Midlife Alchemy coaching program available on the website there, too. So I would love to see anyone there who's feeling like they need to answer those questions. Who am I now? What's next for me? And how do I get there? Beautiful. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the podcast. And I'm excited to keep following along on your journey. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much for listening to House of Low today. I encourage you to keep going. Who you're becoming is on the horizon and who you are today is a gift. Never lose sight that you are worthy of all that you deeply desire. Love, love.